Kia ora, g'day and welcome to the history of Aotearoa New Zealand. Episode 114, The Tanifa of Waikari Moana. This podcast is recorded in Te Whanganui Atara on the rohe of Mueupoko, Taranaki Whanui, Te Atiawa and Ngāti Toa Rangatira. We are generously supported by our amazing patrons. If you want to support Hans, go to patreon.com slash history Aotearoa. Mahu was thirsty. He told his daughter, Ho Mapuhia, to go to the spring and bring him some water. Ho refused to go, and although Mahu shouted at her, she remained stubborn, and in the end, he had to go and do it himself. As he bent over the water, he felt his anger mounting. His other children had disobeyed him, and he had turned them into stones. But a worse fate would befall Ho. He stayed by the lake through to nightfall, until he heard footsteps. It was Ho searching for her father, who had been missing for a number of hours. When she came close to him, he stepped from behind a bush and thrust her into the water. The girl sank down until the water closed over her head. Mahu pressed down on her until her struggle ceased. Then he left the lake and went straight to the sea. Fortunately for Ho, she was not dead, but she was changing. She lost the soft, rounded form of a young woman, her hands turning into fish-like fins and her legs joining together, her body covering with scales, her face becoming ugly, and her long hair turning into straggling seaweed. For a while, she lay on the bottom of the lake, coming to grips with what had just happened. Then the cold blood stirred in her, and she swept out into the deep water. Ho had become a tanifa. There was little room for her to move in the tiny lake. She plunged into the earth and forced her way through the rocks, thrusting hills aside, shouldering the soil from her as the point of the core turns the kumara patch. She was only stopped by the great Huero range that stood across her path. The water rushed into the channel she had carved, but she turned and swam through it and attacked the land to the east. She was foiled again, but she hurled herself at the outlet of the lake at Te Whara While she struggled, the arms of the lake extended in her wake, and the waters tossed and rippled in the shallows. Far away, she could hear the murmur of Te Moana Nui Akiwa, and she struggled frantically in the narrow bed. Metre by metre she crept forward, threshing the water and crying in the unaccustomed voice of a tamifa. Mahu heard her and sent her fish to satisfy her hunger, fish that still swim in placid Waikari Moana. When she had eaten, she was still hungry, and Mahu sent her shellfish, which remain embedded in the rocks from that far-off day to this. Then the sun rose, and Homapuya, the Tanifa, lay still in death, with the waters of the lake 
running down her body, and her hair trailing in the rippling waters. Pākehā see her as a rock, but Māori know better. She is Puhia, the Tanifa who made the winding waters of Waikare Moana, the one who made them ripple during her struggle for the freedom of the widespreading ocean of Kiwa. G'day, I hope you enjoyed this rather short episode. Um, Admittedly, it's short because I didn't have time to record a regular length episode this week because I've been on holiday in Palmerston North doing fun history things and nature stuff. I just wanted to add a bit of, uh, I guess, extra little bit of content here, partly to extend the length of the episode, but also to give you um, an alternative or a slightly alternative version um, of this story. Um, So... This story, um, like all the others that I have done in the past, um, comes from Māori Myths and Legendary Tales by A.W. Reid. And sometimes I'll go and look in other places to try and grab other details that I can pull into the story. Because of course there's different versions, but also the versions that A.W. Reid writes in his book, uh, the general consensus I've seen is that they're not quite complete. Um, So, you know, want to try and add a bit more flavour to them, if you will. And one of the interesting ones that I've just found here is on the Hawke's Bay website, which is where this uh, story comes from, comes from Hawke's Bay. Or rather, it comes from Te Uruweta, which is the rohe of Tuhoi, um, and it's sort of close to Hawke's Bay, so I guess that's why it's on the Hawke's Bay website. So the version on that website gives a slightly different motivation for why Mahu pushes his daughter into the water. Instead of Homapuhia refusing to follow her father's instructions and then getting punished for it, Mahu actually instructs all of his children to go get him water, and six of them come back with water from a tapu spring, which he's very, very angry about. So he turns all of his children into stone, which was briefly mentioned in the version that I gave. For some reason, I guess Homapuhia wasn't involved with this particular event, so concerned about her father, she gets water from a different spring that wasn't Tapu, and goes to find her dad to go and give it to him. Where she finds him is actually at the Tapu spring, which is called Waikotikoti. So she turns up wanting to give him the non-tapu water, but he gets a bit confused and thinks she's actually there to take water from the spring, perhaps to give to him. He doesn't really ask too many questions because then he immediately, you know, drowns her and, and then the story more or less progresses the same from there. This version also adds that Ho knows she's not going to be able to overpower her father and escape. She is a young woman and he is an older man who's a rangatira, who's probably been, you know, in combat and that sort of stuff. So he's probably like a pretty tough bloke. So she knows that in a contest of strength, she's just not going to win. So instead, she calls out to the Atua and basically asks them to turn her into a tanifa as basically a means of survival, which obviously they grant, and then she changes into a tanifa and then tries to escape out into the ocean, which doesn't work. 
I particularly like this story because although there's other stories that talk about how various geographic features were formed, and you can see that in the land, right? Um, like Taranaki is a really obvious one where they talk about how, you know, Taranaki used to be next to uh, Tongariro and then he moved. Um, and now he's where he is now on his own because he's been shunned and all that sort of stuff. I quite like this one, though, with Waikari Moana because... It's a story about how the lake got its kind of interesting shape. If you look at a um, picture of Waikari Moana on Google Maps, um, you can see it's got all these different arms and bays and just lots of little like weird bits that are kind of sticking out. It's a very interesting shape. And so this idea that a large tanifa, a large creature, you know, formed this lake by frantically trying to escape kind of makes sense and it you know you could imagine looking at a picture of this lake you can imagine that this happened that that something was frantically trying to escape and then turned around went a different way i just think it's a really cool story for how something that's kind of has a weird shape was that's how it gained its really unique and interesting sort of style if you want to call it that Anyway, I just wanted to share that extra or alternative information, as well as, you know, share how cool I think this story is. All going well, in two weeks' time, we will be starting the Warfare episodes. I'm just finishing the scripts for those now, so hopefully uh, I should have them done by then. If you want to send me feedback, ask a question, suggest a topic, or just have a chinwag, you can find my email and social media on historyaltearoa.com. You can also find helpful resources there, like transcripts, sources, and translations for some of the Te Reo Māori we have used. You can help support Hans through Patreon, buying merch, or giving us a review. It means a lot and help spread the story of Aotearoa New Zealand. As always, haere tu atu, hoki tu mai. See you next time.